I'm Monica Garski with NBC7.com. I love writing about San Diego, the people, places, and things that make it a special city to live and visit. I'm married to a chef, so keeping up with the culinary scene is a big part of my life. And together, my husband and I have two little girls, both sweet and sometimes a tiny bit salty, who we are raising to try new things, appreciate good food, and love the people, places, and things in our city. Hi, I'm Candace Wu, the founding editor of Eater San Diego, a site dedicated to breaking food news, covering restaurant openings, and offering local dining guides. I've been a freelance food writer in San Diego for more than a decade, writing about the restaurant industry, craft beer, farms, fishermen, and everything in between. I started my culinary career working in a restaurant kitchen before moving to restaurant reporting, so while I'm not a professional chef, I think I'm a pretty decent home cook. On this episode, we dive into one of the biggest industries in our city, the fishing industry, and talk about just how local fishermen are weathering this pandemic storm. San Diego's restaurant shutdowns and restrictions have, of course, deeply impacted business for local fishermen. So how are they moving seafood these days? We're joined by not one, but two guests this week. Pete Halme is the president of the nonprofit San Diego Fishermen's Working Group and the director of Tuna Harbor Dockside Market. He'll talk to us about how things have changed for local fishermen during the pandemic and so much more. Chef Philip Esteban is part of the team behind Open Gym, a local hospitality group that runs craft meals catering and has several upcoming projects on the docket, including white rice, a Filipino rice bowl food stall at Liberty Public Market, a culinary shop and bookstore called Wordsmith, and Well Fed, a modern Filipino restaurant in National City. Pete and Phil have come up with a way to work together through a program called Fish to Families that helps both San Diegans in need local fishermen, and also the hospitality industry. That's what it takes. A lot of people working together. That, to me, is a satisfaction with working with this. You are listening to our Scene in San Diego featuring Eater podcast. Hi, Candice. Hi, Monica. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. You? Good, it's good to see you. See you through a computer, but it's good to see you. Yes. Yes. So fishing, we have so much to talk about here. There's just so much involved in this whole topic today. Um, and what a ride it's really been for our local fishermen these past six months, right? Absolutely. The, you know, this is one of the many industries hit really hard by the pandemic and also an industry that's just synonymous with San Diego, you know, with our waterfront culture. And we just really love seafood here. That's right. We really, really, truly do. Um, so the rough waters for the fishing industry started back in mid-March, like for so many of our local business sectors, um, when the coronavirus pandemic reached San Diego County and local restaurants were ordered to close. So many of those restaurants that were part of the widespread COVID shutdown bought their fish and seafood directly from local fishermen. But with few restaurants open, there were very few purchases. Right. And so, you know, many local fishermen were stuck with fish that they had expected to offload. And as you can imagine, fish is something that needs to be sold quickly. So, uh, you know, so many of those fishermen, including those who sell at the Tuna Harbor Dockside Market, were, you know, unfortunately forced to sell their catch at lower prices just to move the fish and get food to consumers. That's right. Um, and of course, 
things changed quite a bit at Tuner Harbor Dockside Market. So just as a reminder, that's the market on Harbor Lane there in the Embarcadero area that opened a few years back where local fishermen sell their fresh catches directly to the public. So there are usually about six booths and 20 species available weekly there. And the market is still open Saturdays, every Saturday, rain or shine, from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. or until the fish runs out. But there's a pre-order component now that helps fishermen sell more fish in these pandemic times. The market is so fun. It's such a great, unique to San Diego um, space. So now whatever is available um, from the local fishermen every week is added to the market's online store every Thursday at 5 p.m. and it can be pre-ordered until Friday at 7 p.m. And then curbside pickup on those orders is available on Saturdays from 10.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. in a designated area at the end of Tuna Harbor parking lot. Whatever isn't picked up by 1.30 p.m. is donated to first responders. And people should note that not all species that are available in the, at the in-person market will be sold online. So you just have to look and see what's on the rotation on every given week. So interesting that they, you know, the pickup trend that's been huge for a lot of businesses during the pandemic is is definitely in full effect there and uh, just another pandemic pivot, right? Yep. And uh, speaking of shifting gears here, so local fishermen have banded together to create a program called Fish to Families centered on three communities hit hard by the pandemic, the fishing industry, hospitality workers, and locals facing food insecurity. We just love this. It could really be a game changer. Fish to Families is a partnership that includes the San Diego Fishermen's Working Group and Chef Philip Esteban and the team behind Open Gym, which we just talked about a few minutes ago. A group of 12 local fishermen have been providing about 550 pounds of seafood weekly to the program. And in the first five weeks, Fish to Families was able to distribute 2,400 meals to locals in need. That's incredible. So uh, the fishermen, they receive roughly wholesale prices for their catch. And for many, this program has been a saving grace during these really, really tough times. So let's hop over to our conversation with Pete Halme and Phil Esteban about this project and for more insight on the fishing industry. So Pete, you've been a commercial sea urchin diver in San Diego for decades. We've known each other for a long time and you know that I'm a super fan of yours and of sea urchin. You know how much I love sea urchins. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how you sort of transitioned into your role as a leader and an activist for the entire industry? Well, it started about 40 years ago when I saw that it was important for the fishermen to start uh, speaking with one voice and working together. When fishermen start working together, good things happen. Individually, we, we, don't, uh, uh, we don't accomplish quite as much. And the reason that we don't work together is because we fish alone. You know, when we go out on our boats, we're completely separated. So it's only when we come into land that we, uh, we have to work together. And it's, it's this building this social capital that I've been working on for the last 40 years. How do you get fishermen to, uh, to do these things, uh, such as the, this program here? We can only do it if we work together. To, to jump really fast into this program, it has required 12 fishermen to come up with fish just twice a week. Had any one individual tried it, it wouldn't have worked. So, so the role then, uh, my role would be to try to get as many fishermen as possible 
to contribute to this program. Do you think if done the work of building the Fisherman's Working Group and, and starting the dockside market that a program like this could sort of come together as easily? No, no, those are the, uh, you don't uh, run around uh, putting out fires all the time. First, you build a fire station. You have to build a fire station that's always there, and then you can put out the fires. The station has to be there to have the capability to, to jump into these things. Uh, those things, you have to have something established. And when we pivoted to direct marketing, uh, we were very fortunate we had Tuna Harbor Dockside Market. People knew about it, and people knew to come there. Um, Phil, so your involvement with this program is really cool. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how your work with Jose Andres' World Central Kitchen and other meal donation programs during the pandemic influenced your involvement with starting Fish to Families? Yeah, so I think um, uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we had to make a pivot, and so um, we were fortunate enough to partner up with Jose Andres and World Central Kitchen, um, but it, it taught us a lot of different things, um, that there is a, a means to create sustainability for a restaurant outside of like the normal parameters of, of a dinner service from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. And you have to kind of make your chops then. Um, we were able to create a system. Um, you know, I think the opportunity and, and fortunate uh, or opportunist of COVID is that a lot of talent became available um, at the time. And so we kind of all came together, similar how, uh, you know, the fishermen and, and chefs were all in our own buildings in four walls, but we were able to come together, uh, create a program um, that really thrived in the World Central Kitchen model, um, that we were able to kind of create our own programs like One for One and donate meals through there. And I think through that work, um, it really brought us together with Pete and all the fishermen to create Fish to Families. Can you tell us a little bit about how the Fish to Families program came together with, you know, your, your two sides and, and how you got the initial funding? It was, a, it was quite a, a natural process. Uh, uh, we, we had fish and we, we were looking for places to uh, to connect with the community, to give it to the community. And so we got the uh, San Diego Foundation and, uh, and through, uh, through some discussions with Philip and other people, we submitted a grant because uh, we were fishermen. We could catch a fish, but what would happen if we bought a 190 pound tuna and put it in front of some people and say, here, here's your fish, now eat it. <laughs> there, that's where Philip and his crowd came in. <laughs> And they it took the, the 190-pound <laughs> tuna and turned it into some of the most delicious meals in the world. That's, mm. And so it was a natural partnership. And I can tell you that, that it's been fantastic. Uh, uh, we've uh, tried to stump Philip and the chefs by giving him a 190-pound fish here, put it in your truck, and, and uh, off you go. And they turned it into uh, meals in a hurry, and we gave them – all uh, 11 different kinds of fish. So, so they had their chance to try all these different fish. And some of them, like angel shark, is very hard, has very hard skin, and most chefs don't want to touch it. Well, uh, marmalade over Philip's uh, uh, fellow chef uh, had no problem whatsoever with it. Uh, he took each fish as a challenge. How do I do this? How do I do it fast? How do I do it good? 
and how to how do I put out 300 meals? You know, you're not talking about a chef in a restaurant that that's fiddling around with one plate for 15 minutes. You know, these guys put out some meals. Yeah, and the, I think the angel shark too is uh, one of the most popular meals. Uh, I think when Jam, uh, when Pete is referring to the team in the kitchen is uh, our admin uh, Jam Zumel, and then our uh, chef of craft meals Marcus Twilliger, uh, but we like to call him Marmalade. So Jam and Marmalade. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> That's awesome. So Phil, when you see that you know 190 pound fish that Pete hands over, what do you see aside uh, from a challenge? I mean, it's, it's not even a challenge, really. It's just a, it's a fun new opportunity. We actually have a picture. We laid a, we have the tuna down on the table and Marcus is, is laying right next to it. And it's actually way bigger than him. Um, no, but it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to teach um, because part of the Fish to Families program is an educational piece. So um, with the 15 staff members that we have on board, you know, it's, it's not just one chef. Uh, it's a lot of different chefs and cooks and kind of everyone coming in learning. So it's a big educational piece. And then uh, we kind of have a plan. Um, Pete kind of gives us a heads up of, of what he's bringing in uh, for the week. And we kind of plan our menu around that. So it's multiple folds with the fishermen, with local produce. And we're just planning, preparing. And as soon as the fish gets in, we just, everyone takes their turn at it and uh, fabricate that in hour, two hours and, we have all the meals ready to go. And, and to tell you something, these aren't just everyday meals, you know, that, that because you're giving it to poor people, maybe they're not so fussy. Well, give them best you possibly can. I'll treat them. And what we're seeing now is that a lot of people in La Jolla are going down to Goodwill and buying old clothes so they can go and grab these free meals because they're getting better meals to hit over there than in no. the restaurants. That's what's happening now. Because these are, are outstanding meals. Uh, you know, uh, uh, chefs have put together, they've thought about it. This is the kind of seafood, what are we going to pair it with, and so on. And everything comes out uh, more exotic than I see it at most of the fancier restaurants. It, it's really impressive that that the quality of the, of the meals is great. You know, it's not just let's pump out 300 meals. It's let's put out 300 quality meals. It, it, that impressed the hell out of me. So, Pete, um, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about your insight on the local fishing industry and, you know, how it's been hit by the pandemic. Um, do you feel like Tuna Harbor Dockside Market has become even more of a vital part of the livelihood of local fishermen? Yes, yes, it has. Uh, we had to pivot completely to direct marketing. Uh, for it, It's kind of easing up now. Restaurants are opening up and we're going back to selling to restaurants. But it has taught us that that we had better figure out a way to get our fish to the community. And Tuna Harbor Dockside Market is one way. It, it's a, it has, uh, the popularity has increased two and threefold during the pandemic. People are going down there, and, and today people don't mind lining up as much as they used to. So they line up for an hour, hour and a half sometimes, early in the morning, to buy, uh, to buy fish. And, uh, and uh, so the Tuna Harbor has served two things. One is shown the uh, community where to go, and it also allowed us to, to uh, have the fishermen working together. You need a lot of fishermen to show up there, and, and not only a lot of fishermen, a lot of different species of fish. And so, so we've had to arrange, how do we do that? 
So every Thursday, uh, 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 we have every fisherman calling in, this is what I have, this is what I don't have, and so on. So on Friday, it allows them to pivot. Oh, there's not no rockfish coming in. I think I'll go get rockfish because we're trying to fill all these different things. So it forces the fishermen, again, to, to work together, to uh, collaborate, cooperate, and come up with the best possible uh, assemblage of fish every Saturday. And it can't be done. You can't say, well, I'm coming in on Tuesday. Well, that's not good enough. It, it, same thing with uh, providing food to uh, fish to families. The fish have to come in on Tuesdays and Saturdays, any other day. Uh, so so these are new ideas for, for the fishery, and we have to adapt. But these are the, the steps we're taking to adapt to direct marketing. Getting right as close as we can to the community without touching four or five hands. Whether right. it's kitchens, whether it's through restaurants, but, but we don't want it to, to touch eight hands and the price goes up every time that, that everybody touches. Right. Try to right. get it to, right to, right from the, there's a beauty in, in getting it from the fisherman and talking to the guy that caught it. How mm -hmm. much, what did you do and so on. And, and, and therefore you know, keeping the money here. So as far as fish to families, you know, even as restaurant get, you know, business sort of gets back to some kind of normalcy, you know, are, are the fishermen going to want to continue participating in this program? And how might that sort of impact the relationships that, you know, fishermen have in the future with, you know, every from, everyone from wholesalers to restaurants? We got a lot of fish. We got a lot of fish. If, if we can, uh, uh, about 5 million pounds of fish come in every year into San Diego or, or have last year. So, so we're talking about a lot of fish. So, so you're not going to deprive anybody. As the wholesalers come online, they'll take a larger portion. But, but there will always be a desire to serve fish to everybody in San Diego. Right. You don't have to be rich to, to get fish. It, it, that, that's an absurd idea. And, and the... And Philip and his guys have shown it, you know, that you can put fantastic meals out. And we're putting out great meals for uh, not a very high price. And so that's uh, the idea is there'll be something for everybody. There'll be something for this program. There'll be enough for the wholesalers. There'll be uh, enough for direct markets and so on. We really have to build up these direct markets. Uh, and the wholesalers uh, uh, will have to accommodate the, the, themselves. But there's enough for everybody. So, and and if not, then let's fish a little harder. That's all there is to it. You know, let's bring in more fish. That's great, Phil. So now that we've heard from Pete about these incredible meals that you've been making for the program, can you share with us a little bit about the kinds of meals that you've been making, and you know where you're sourcing the produce or the other ingredients, things like that? Yeah, uh, we have, you know, uh, we have like a team of uh, six chefs, but 15 staff members in the kitchen. And it's a big collaborative effort. Uh, when we kind of sit down, uh, Pete will text us what fish are coming in, um, some challenging, some new fish that we've never used or shark. And so we just kind of try and get creative with it. Um, you know, the great thing about keeping food costs low is, uh, you know, using like seasonality. Um, we do a lot of uh, kind of produce recovery within town. So I Love Gleaning and Taco kind of come involved uh, where right now there's not a lot of people going to the grocery stores. And so there's a lot of people, like as people are still fishing, they're still farmers still producing products. And so uh, before that goes bad, we kind of recover that and plan meals around there. Um, and the great thing too is that doing 600 meals a week and, 
and wanting to grow that um, after this pilot program, um, being able to do multiple meals, like he was saying, if we're just doing one meal, it costs a certain amount. But once we start scaling it up and we start doing a lot of meals, it's actually a lot easier to get the product and have more uh, kind of creativity with it. What's the best way to cook angel shark? Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of different ways. We've, we've baked it, roasted it, we've grilled it. Um, but I mean, I always just like fish grilled is kind of my preference. Um, you know, we've, you know, even being Asian Filipino, I like fish fried too, but, uh, you know, I think that's on that scale doing 300 meals is, is going to be a lot of work. <laughs> you know, you have a lot of upcoming projects, you know, your first independent restaurant. How, how do you think this program will sort of influence the way that you kind of handle and purchase local seafood going forward? You know, you've been, you know, getting these whole fish and, and trying to, you know, do zero as zero waste as possible. Um, you're working with lesser known species. Is that going to kind of influence what you do, you know, in your restaurants? Yeah, I think that's going to dictate um, exactly where we're going to be moving towards. Um, you know, coming from Consortium and Ironside and all the fish that we did there uh, and ordering only local seafood, it just becomes an, an ethos now within our company uh, and just the way we're going to operate. Um, a lot of people ask, you know, when things go back to the new normal, are we going to continue these, these programs? And so it's really just, it's woven into the fabric now and it's who we are and it's what we're going to continue to do. And as Pete says, there's always going to be a home for it. There's always going to be people in need of help. Um, similar to a program called like, I think it's called supermarket in LA where they provide high quality meals for uh, kind of um, underrepresented communities. So like, you know, I think we're, Pete, we're going to be talking about lobster pretty soon <laughs> and how to move that for you. So um, yeah, there's, there's always going to be opportunity. Awesome. And it sounds like Pete runs a tight ship. So just fish harder, you know, <laughs> right, and and uh, and after forty years, I've recognized that nobody listens to me anyhow. So it's <laughs> I don't think that's true. I've <laughs> gotten this far, but, uh, accomplished this. But I really about. think that that I think it's, and I have to keep saying it. We're not putting out poor quality meals. Uh, we're giving uh, Philip the best quality of, of the fish that we uh, we give to the finest restaurants. So, um, Pete, can you tell us a little bit about, we talked about the future of the program. Phil's talked about how it's woven into, you know, the fabric of what he's doing, his projects. Um, can you tell us where the Fish to Families program currently stands? Are you going to be receiving more funding to keep it going after the 13-week pilot period? Or what's, what's kind of the plan for right now? After we've talked to you, the, the phone's going to start ringing. <laughs> Let's hope so. The phone is ringing off the hook already. We're hoping. We're, we're going we're gonna to try to continue. Uh, we think it's working very well. Uh, we found a fantastic partner, and, and I think that made it a lot easier. My Japanese friends called Kaizen Kaizen, small steps, always small steps of improvement. And, that's what the, and, and you talk about uh, when it goes back to new normal, it's going to be a new normal. It's not going to be the same normal that it was a year ago. Everybody's going to have to rethink everything about this new normal. And, and our way of, of rethinking it is having fish to families and having other ways to get uh, the fish to the community. 
right now you have 12 fishermen participating and you've got Phil and his team of chefs. How, how would you each sort of like to see, you know, the program grow and expand, you know, carefully, but how would you potentially see, you know, other restaurant kitchens participating or more fishermen coming on board? Yeah, I think the important part of the pilot program is the, well, the analytics and, and data analysis of, of all the things that we're doing from, uh, from the time of the fishermen to the type of species, uh, the cost, the weight. So Pete gives us uh, the, you know, we receive like a 200 pound tuna. And then from our end, we, we weigh it, we break it down, we break it down to what's usable, uh, to scraps, to, I mean, every single piece that we do uh, to the whole program. Um, and then on top of it, you know, we, we trace labor, we trace uh, all the food costs, uh, driving, packaging. And so through this whole pilot program, uh, we're a, a little bit over halfway through. Uh, we did receive a second uh, uh, kind of funding through uh, Catch Together, uh, which will be able to extend the program uh, we had a couple options, but I think me and Pete were talking about a combination of the two of extending and also providing a little bit more meals. Um, and so we're going through that. Uh, we're going to go through another round um, and submit another uh, grant funding to, to grow it and scalability. But as Pete says, we don't want to go from 600 meals to like 5,000 overnight. It is, like he said, kaisen, kaisen, uh, step by step. And, um, but there are other restaurants and chefs now reaching out and they want to get in the program. Um, but, you know, through the, all the data that we're collecting, we want to make sure that it's, that it makes sense for everyone uh, and that, that we are growing it in the right way. Um, and we will get more fishermen and more restaurants and chefs involved and more kind of uh, other nonprofits to, to kind of help distribute the meals. I think that's so, it's so great. And, you know, the fishing industry is so something so, you know, synonymous with San Diego. And I just think it's wonderful that you guys have put this together, you know, in a way that hopefully can be a model for, you know, potentially other cities and, and seeing something like this expand. Yeah. Um, you know, truthfully between, uh, me, Pete and, and Steve, he really helps us, um, write the grants. Um, we have a, um, as I've been talking, we have a project in San Francisco coming and uh, Steve is a chairman for the Monterey Bay fisheries. And so we've been talking about, you know, how do we get to uh, the kind of North Bay uh, area of sorts to kind of, because there's so many eyes going on the pro on the project now. Yeah. So um, as soon as we, or as we're kind of dialing in San Diego, what does it look like for other, other communities uh, to kind of receive meals and so we're kind of creating not just a pilot program, but a kind of, in a sense, business model and then growth yeah. and availability for other cities. That's great. We love seeing the growth start here. We always like it when things can start in San Diego. So that's really, really neat. And to add something more, uh, Philip touched on the fact that he's gathering all this information. You see, when we bring in a fish, uh, he tells us, how, what was the recovery on that fish? And we find out things like uh, uh, the larger uh, uh, rockfish, we were getting 40% recovery versus 30% on the smaller ones. And ideas like that, 
uh, feeds back into how you harvest the fish or and how you how you sell it. So you would want to sell the the uh, larger fish to be filleted and a smaller fish to be cooked whole. You know, uh, but but this kind of information is fantastic, and it comes back the next day. You know, it's not like we we sold it. We don't know what happened to it. We know exactly what happened, and the and they show it's always pictures when they've finished uh, filleting the fish. And they're models for, for our cutters. They said there's not a damn bit of, there's no meat left on those <laughs> bones. You know, you'd start. That's success. That. And, and that to me is, is what a good chef does. You, you know, that's, and that, that's what's happening. So, so I think all these ideas got to be translated, but all the details have to be translated too. You can't just say, I'm going to do the same thing they're doing. Well, you'd better pay attention to all the hundred details that are being paid attention to. And so, uh, so here in San Diego, no matter what, our, our program will be better than anywhere else. And it's only modesty, it's uh, only modesty that allows me to say that. Uh, even with all the scraps, you know, we've uh, we've gone through, um, I'd say, about seven weeks now, and so we've been saving all the. As you said, there's no uh, flesh left on. We scrape all the bones. We make stock. Uh, we kind of save as much as we can. And even, uh, you know, there'll be like an extra day or two for these, um, for the meals because of all the scraps that we've been saving. And so we've been poaching it in olive oil and we've been canning it. Uh, we've been kind of saving all these things to do fish cakes and everything like that. So, yeah, you'll have your normal fillets that we've been, that we've been portioning out and preparing for all the meals. Um, but part of the zero waste is that we're not wasting anything at all. And so at some point, we're going to interject the, the zero waste meal uh, portion of, of the program. And these are all the scraps, the parts that people would just normally throw away or, or, know, or don't know what to use for it. Now it becomes an extra meal where we just fed 600 people. It's amazing. I have to tell you guys, so you talking about going into the fish and getting every last little bit reminds me so much of my husband is a chef um, in San Diego and he, his proudest moment ever was learning how to fillet big fish, you know, and he's like, it's such an art, it's such a process. And his buddy for Christmas a couple years ago gave him this giant poster board picture of him with the biggest fish that he's ever filleted in his life, you know, and his face is just, he's grinning ear to ear. He's so excited. He's like, every single piece of that fish was used, you know, he's so excited about it. So normally I don't let him decorate anything in our house, but I put that picture in a frame and we have it hanging in our kitchen. And every single day I walk in there and I'm like, there he is with this big catch. There he is with this big filleting job. <laughs> so I know, I know the heart that goes into, you know, really doing good work with, with seafood and fish. Yeah. That's really awesome. I'm going to have to ask you experts to help us because Philip calls them scraps. You got to find a better word than that. You to, <laughs> if you tell somebody we're feeding you scraps. <laughs> so it's up to you ladies to figure that out. I know you're good at hidden, it. Hidden treasures or something yeah, like that. Supporting, right. supporting cast members, you know. <laughs> but, Pete, on, on that same vein, what is, what is a, a local sustainable species that you think is, you know, could have a breakout moment or something that people should start asking for or looking out for and something that's like really tasty, but hasn't gone mainstream yet. Well, uh, uh, we tried grenadier, tried grenadier. It's a deep water fish 
there's not much recovery on there. And the draggers up, uh, up, up north uh, get it, and it's uh, used for fish and chips normally. A very low recovery, but I, I think it's one of the fish that uh, if you don't worry about the recovery, the meat that comes out of it is excellent. And so we're just going to have to find a price point where, where, it, uh, where it's uh, – but, but then again, uh, unlike Maine that has lobster, you know, lobster, 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 we bring in 104 different species of fish. Right. And so in October, our big fish is going to be a lobster. We're going to try to promote lobster. And how do we make something so expensive – into into a meal that we can provide for the general folks. That, that that's our big thing. So some of it has to be the price point from the fishermen, and other is uh, how do you present it? Because a whole lobster is not necessary. Maybe you cut a lobster in half and have mm -hmm. a half a lobster meal. But these uh, so so every month there should be a different fish that we we feature. This is the fish that we're going to try with, and of course uh, uh, fish uh, fish to families would lead the parade. Hey, this is this is what we're doing this week. Why don't you do it some? Uh, because it's not like this is magic; it can't be done by somebody else. Uh, uh, other people can do it. Well, if if they have the the skill sets that uh, that Philip and his crowd have, and and all the right people involved. Yes, yep. and and it's the working together. As he mentioned, is you you asked me about working together, and Philip said the same thing. It's the working together. There isn't one big cheese there with what goes on television. It's a whole bunch of people that do this work, and and that's that's what it takes. You know, uh, a lot of people working together, and that's that to me uh, is a satisfaction of working with this. It's it's not so much that. Uh, uh, it's it's a fact that some people never get to eat this quality of fish are eating it, and some fishermen are selling it and working together, and we're making it, it's coming across seamless that uh, that comes out of the ocean and onto your plate. Nobody notices that. Wow, how did that happen? Three hundred meals overnight. You know how did that happen? Yeah. And it's happening, and it's happening week after week after week. I think that's a really great point that a lot of people and chefs ask. They always ask like, what's how do you do it? How do you make it work? And it's, it's not just a single equation that says, hey, you have these things and just go. It's, it's actually the, the combined efforts of all the fishermen and the great work that they do, uh, and then the team in the kitchen. And so um, along with all the other programs that actually help us get to picking it up, to distribution, to all the little pieces, um, you know, definitely a shout out to like uh, uh, Teresa and, uh, and Sarah from NOAA and and see grants and the foundation for their support. Um, but there, there are a lot of people involved to kind of make this happen. Um, and though maybe me and Pete kind of get the, uh, a lot of the FaceTime, but it's, um, it's a lot of work from a lot of other people working together to make this happen. And it's not because I'm so, uh, so I'm good at it. I'm just so goddamn good looking that people want to take pictures of me. <laughs> Love that. Just another pretty face. <laughs> you are. Thanks, you guys, so much. Now, a grant from the San Diego Foundation through its San Diego COVID-19 Community Response Fund is supporting the 13-week Fish to Families pilot program. But the group hopes to secure more funding, as Pete said, to continue their efforts and onboard even more fishermen and chefs. I have a feeling this won't be the last we hear of these guys or this program. We'll share links to Fish to Families and everything we talked about with Pete and Phil on our podcast show notes on sandiego.eater.com and nbc7.com. 
Well, thanks so much for hanging out with us again. We have so many of the things that we mentioned today in our Eater, San Diego, and NBC7 roundups, which usually publish every Friday on the scene section of NBC7.com. You can also find everything we talked about today in our podcast show notes article on both sandiego.eater.com and nbc7.com. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe to Scene in San Diego featuring Eater on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher, wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. Thanks and talk soon.